weekend updates. As always, I'm Jay, giving you your weekend update on week six of football. Well, to start off, we had WSU Cougars play UCLA, and they lost 17-25. to So we really don't have much to talk about. First of all, when UCLA is rushing three most of the game, you should be able to find little windows to throw the ball. Yet, this wasn't the case, as UCLA's three was able to garner pressure on Cam Ward all game long. And it showed Ward had an incredibly rough appearance in the game. Consider this. The Bruins made the WSU offense, who was ranked top 10 in scoring and total yardage in the country, look abysmal. They forced Wazoo into four fumbles, two interceptions, and nine punts. Never a recipe for success. WSU plays Arizona next week. Your Central Football Eagles played Eastern New Mexico, and they won 38-35. Now, we had a bang to start off the game, as Tyler Flanagan took the opening kickoff 87 yards to the house for a touchdown. After 13 seconds of play, the Wildcats were up 17-0. But then in a weird thing of deja vu, Eastern New Mexico returned their opening kickoff 62 yards to to the house for a touchdown of their own. After a mere 27 seconds of play, the score was 7-7, and neither offense or defense had even touched the field. This back and forth is really what the whole game was like. Eastern New Mexico ran their triple triple option offense to success. I mean, absolute masterclass. Central was well-balanced and ran the ball really, really well. Now, I think the turning point of this game was when Eastern New Mexico fumbled the ball on a crucial fourth fourth and one, and Johnny Navarro was able to recover the ball which led to his offense driving down the field to score another touchdown to go up 38-28 to with about 14 minutes left in the game. That touchdown proved to be all Central really needed for the rest of the game as they ended up winning with a score of 38. Now the player of the game is Tyre Flanagan. He had 22 rushes for 117 yards and two touchdowns, and he also had two catches for 31 yards, also had the opening kickoff return for a touchdown. Central Washington University will face Midwestern State next week. Now we had your PLU Lutes play Pacific University and won 17-10. And what's the one thing I always say on this podcast? When you can run the ball, you can win games. And that is exactly what PLU did. They rushed for 223 yards, averaging 6.2 yards per carry. The inverse of this rule is true, as when you shut down an offense's ability to run the ball, You force them to become one-dimensional. And that's exactly what PLU did to Pacific as they held them to just 92 yards of rushing. I will say the Lutes had three turnovers passing the ball, so maybe we should go away from that altogether. Now, the player of the game is senior Kalen Davis-White, who had 15 total tackles, including two tackles for loss, and this PLU defense runs through him. Next week, PLU will head to William Met to take on the Bearcats. Pacific University will face Lewis and Clark next week. The Puget Sound Loggers face the George Fox Bruins and won 29-27. Most football games in October just go together, just like Uggs and Pumpkin Spice. This game was no exception. 
Let's just fast forward to the fourth quarter as this is where the fun starts. With 11 minutes remaining, George Fox scored a touchdown but missed their PAT to go up 27-20. to PSU would answer with a methodical 15-play drive for a touchdown that was punched in by fullback Michael Toa. The loggers must have smelled blood in the waters. They opted to go for two, but failed to convert. Now, at the score of 27 to 26, PSU stopped the Bruins in only five plays and got the ball back on its own one-yard line. With minute and 28 seconds left on the clock, they drove down the field in an impressive drive and got the ball all the way down to the opposing six-yard line, where they would kick the game-winning field goal with one second on the clock. Now, the player of the game. Mason Binning. He went 41 of 66 for 416 yards and a touchdown. Puget Sound will will play at Whitworth next week, and George Fox will play Linfield next week. Now, your Whitworth Pirates played the Williamette Bearcats and won 59-7. Three defensive touchdowns, one special teams touchdown, attributed to what was an absolute beatdown of Williamette. This game was never close. Multiple turnovers and a blocked punt made it so Williamette never actually had 10 more minutes of possession than Whitworth, but that didn't even matter. The player of the game is Austin Ewing, who went 15 of 19 for 298 yards and three touchdowns. Whitworth will welcome the Puget Sound Loggers into town next week, where Williamette will face PLU next week. Off to Oregon, your Oregon State Beavers played Cal, and they won 52 to 40. But what's been described as the best defense of the Pac-12 didn't look like it, allowing Cal to score 40. Now, going into fourth quarter, the score was 35-32. to In the fourth quarter, the Beavers would put up 17, which was just too much for Cal to overcome. But how are we going to have them be the best defense in the Pac-12 and allow 40 points? I get offenses are potent in the Pac-12, and I guess we're not known for defenses. And by when I say we, I mean the Pac-12 as a whole. The defenses are never known for being staunch shutdown defenses historically. But to allow that many points is just not, not a good look when you're calling that the best defense. The player of the game was DJU, who went 19 of 25 for 275 yards and five touchdowns. The Beavs will face UCLA next week. Your Western Oregon Wolves took on Western New Mexico and won 31 to 10. People, what wins football games? Running the freaking ball. And Western Oregon did that to the tune of 376 yards rushing. The inverse was accurate for the Wolves as well, as they held the Mustangs to 11 yards rushing. Yes, you're hearing that right. The Wolves ran for 376 yards, and Western New Mexico ran for 11. The game was never in doubt. The Mustangs didn't get on the board until the third quarter, at which point the score was already 14 to nothing. Player of the game, Dominique Loggins, who rushed 17 times for 125 yards and two touchdowns. The Wolves will be on the road next week as they face Minnesota State University of Mankato. The Lewis and Clark Pioneers played the Linfield Wildcats and lost 15 to 57. Stomped out. I, I don't know how to talk about it other than this. So instead, let's talk some fun facts about Linfield. This is this is amazing when I was learning about this. They put up 611 yards of offense, 
with 252 of those yards coming from the ground. They didn't commit a turnover, and this was Linfield's 45th straight win over Lewis and Clark. For those of you who don't want to do the math, this means Linfield hasn't lost to Lewis and Clark since 1973. The winning streak is so impressive that across all divisions of college football, 1A, 2A, FBS, FCS, however you want to look at it, all of college football, the longest winning streak over a single opponent in history is Yale against Wesleyan, where they won 46, 46 straight games from 1875 to 1913. In terms of consistency, the Wildcats are now one win away from extending its current record, which is held throughout all divisions as well. Linfield has 66 straight winning campaigns. This means one more win this year, and they'll have improved that record to 67. The player of the game is the whole freaking team. A well-rounded win. Linfield will face George Fox next week, and Lewis and Clark will face Pacific University next week. Your Eastern Oregon Mountaineers played Montana State University Northern Lights and won 28-3. Back-to-back wins for Eastern Oregon. There's nothing really of merit to mention in this game. Player of the game is Quincy Glasper, who went 18 of 28 for 257 yards and three touchdowns with one interception. Eastern Oregon will take on Carroll College next week, and MSU Northern Lights will take on College of Idaho next week. Now your Southern Oregon Raiders played Rocky Mountain and won 23-5. The Frontier Conference is an absolute bloodbath, so when you can get a win, you need to capitalize. Again, there's really not much to speak about in this game. Southern Oregon's player of the game, there's two of them. Isaiah Hidalago rushed 14 times for 149 yards, and Avery McQuig rushed 18 times for 149 yards and three touchdowns. Southern Oregon will face Arizona Christian next week, and Rocky Mountain will face rival Montana Western next week. Over to Idaho, where your Boise State Broncos played San Jose State and won 35-27. Boise State is back to 500. And I wonder if Austin Jeanty has something to do with it. At one point, Boise State was down 27 to 7, and this was before they rattled off 28 straight points to win a dramatic game. Ready to hear what Austin Jeanty did? Because, as I've said all year, this team runs through him. Player of the game, Austin Jeanty. He had 24 carries for 167 yards and two catches for 16 yards. This po- total puts him in the history books. He's the third player in FBS history to have 1,000 all-purpose yards through six games of the year. You want to know who else has that same ability? There's three of them, but the most well-known one, Michael Crabtree. Some elite company. Boys State will play Colorado State next week. Your Idaho Vandals played Cal Poly and won 42-14. Another win just like I've said all year. This Idaho team is for real. The Vandals are ranked third in the nation, and they just keep winning. Per normal, the Vandals put up 421 yards of total offense and played so well that most of their starters sat out in the second half. The Vandals forced two turnovers and continue to dominate any team that comes near them. We have to remember, this Idaho's team's only loss of the entire year is against Cal, which if it weren't for a late second-half collapse, very well could have been another win. There's no player of the game, but let's talk about this game next week. Idaho 
will be taking on the Montana Grizzlies. This game, in which the winner takes home the Little Brown Stein, is a huge rivalry. Separated by just about 200 miles, this rivalry dates back to the Pacific Coast Conference. Idaho leads the all-time series with a 56-30 and 30 record. They also hold the record for the longest victory with a score of 46 to nothing. And they also hold the record for the longest winning streak at eight games. Now, I'm not saying Idaho is going to stomp on Montana because I don't think that's the case. But this is going to be on ESPN2 for those of you who want to watch what it's like. I think this is an amazing, amazing game. And I'm super excited to have people be able to watch this because, let's face it, sometimes the big sky doesn't get all the appreciation it should. And I've talked with other people that enjoy football like me. In fact, one of them happens to have his own podcast, The Broken Clipboard. And I usually text him on Saturdays talking about just all these different games. And at one point, I said, you know, I think FCS Big Sky football might be the best football I'm watching. And when I say that, I mean the games always seem to be close. And you have to bring your A game. Yeah, you, you have that in the SEC. I get it. But when Bama's is playing Vanderbilt, you know who's going to end up winning. When Idaho's playing Montana State, you don't know. You have an idea, but you don't know. This is what makes those games so exciting. Now, the College of Idaho Coyotes play Arizona, played Arizona Christian and won 56-17. to Another molly whopping. You could say the first half was somewhat close as the score was 21 to 10 at halftime, but the Oats took off in the third quarter, scoring 28 points, including the opening second half kickoff being taken to the house for a touchdown. The player of the game is John Schofield, who has eight receiving had who had a receiving touchdown and a rushing touchdown. He currently has 14 touchdowns, which is eighth most in program history. Who knows? Maybe he ends up beating that record by the end of the year. The Yotes will face the MSU Northern Lights next week. Over to Montana, where your Montana Grizzlies played UC Davis and won 31-23. It was a top-20 matchup, and you just kind of got the feeling the Grizz needed this win. This was Montana's first win over a ranked road opponent since 2019 when they beat UC Davis. Going into the locker room at halftime, they were up 21-20, to and you can guess the score stayed around the same. Montana ran the ball for 181 yards on the ground. The player of the game is Clifton McDowell, who went 18 of 32 for 243 yards and three touchdowns. He also rushed 10 times for 63 yards. The Grizz will play Idaho next week. Montana Western Bulldogs versus Montana Tech. Montana Western won 38 to 28. Upset. Yes, the Bulldogs upset near your number 11 ranked Montana Tech. Well, how does this happen? Well, rush for 273 yards and hold your opponent to one score in the second half, and good things tend to happen. Player game? Two of them. Pete Gibson, who had 11 rushes for 102 yards, and Jake Humphrey, who had 16 carries for 100 yards and a touchdown. Montana Western will take on Rocky Mountain College next week, and Montana Tech has a bye week. Over to Wyoming. Your Wyoming Cowboys played Fresno State and won 24-19. Called it. The second longest winning streak in the nation was snapped by the Wyoming Cowboys, holding Fresno State scoreless in the first quarter, and it was a good start. This was the first time in 25 quarters that Fresno State didn't score a point. 
The Cowboys didn't even score in the second half, but a suffocating defense made it impossible for Fresno State to be able to settle in. Player of the game, Andrew Peasley. He went 19 of 27 for 183 yards and three touchdowns. The Cowboys have a huge game against undefeated Air Force next week. Now Utah. Your Utah State Aggies played Colorado State and won 44-24. After being down 17-3, the Aggies fought back so well that they are 3-3 three three on the year, essentially halfway to bowl eligibility. Utah State, after only gaining 46 yards of offense in the first quarter, ended up finishing with 639 yards of total offense. Utah State also forced five turnovers. Now you might ask, Jay, who orchestrated this offense to the tune of 639 yards? Because both quarterbacks this year haven't played that well. Well, my answer for you, Cooper Legas. Yes, he's back, and he went 19 of 29 for 387 yards and four touchdowns. Utah State will face an uneasy Fresno State team next week. Utah Tech Trek, your Utah Tech Trailblazers played Stephen F. Austin and won 37-31. Hell of a win. Making their debut in the United Athletic Conference, the Trailblazers operated with poise as they drove down the field on an 11-play, 75-yard drive that resulted in a touchdown to go up 7-0. After being behind briefly in the third quarter at a score of 27-17, Utah Tech got back in rhythm, scoring a touchdown, having the defense force another strip sack of Stephen F. Austin. From there, they scored another touchdown and pretty much put ice on the game. Player of the game, Ricky Johnson. Six catches, 148 yards, and a touchdown. Utah Tech had a bye the following week. The Weber State Wildcats played Northern Arizona and won and won, lost, excuse me, 10 27. Did anyone see this coming? I didn't think, but I kind of knew the issues were coming with Weber State. Last week I mentioned they didn't deserve to win that game, and I, I preached it over and over and over again. And then this week it came crumbling down. There is no way Weber State should have lost to Northern Arizona. It, it shouldn't have happened. But Weber State needs to fix something ASAP. They're 3-3 three and three with two straight losses, and they're dangerously close to watching the season go off the deep tracks. Weber State will face UC Davis next week, and I think that game, even with a loss, is going to tell us a lot about what Weber State's going to end up being this next week, this rest of this year. Your Southern Utah Thunderbirds plays Tarleton State and won 27-26. Close games in October football, guys. I've already said it a couple times. Fast forward to the fourth quarter. Carlton, Tarleton scores a touchdown but fails on their two-point conversion, and the score is 26-14. The Thunderbirds march down the field and score a touchdown to bring the game to 26-21. The Thunderbirds' defense would come to life as they force a fumble with a scoop and score a touchdown. Now it's 27-26. Tarleston State is what Tarleston State would have one more chance, but the Southern Utah Thunderbirds shut down the Texans, and it's game over. 27 to 26, Southern Utah. Player of the game, Justin Miller. Went 34 of 45 for 314 yards, three touchdowns, and one interception. Southern Utah gets to have a rest, a well deserved rest, might I add, 
as they have a bye next week. Now, the game of the week, Utah versus Oregon. And I think it's kind of a duh in that situation, right? I'm predicting a 35-31 to 31 win for UW. Now, this is two top 10 teams battling for first place in the Pac-12 North. College game days there. What more could you want? This game shapes up the playoffs big time. Now, I don't know who wins, but who's UW actually played this year? Oregon has the points, but they almost lost to Stanford. I mentioned it last week. If not for a big third quarter, Oregon has a game that looks a lot closer than it should be. My bet is that Michael Penix and that UW offense is too much for Oregon to contain, but Bo Nix has been playing extremely well, so maybe the Ducks can win one. But coming into Seattle, playing in UW Stadium with college game day there is going to be extremely intimidating. I just don't know if I can see Oregon pulling off the win. Now, the player of the week is Austin Vinti. Perhaps this is also a midseason award, but let's take a look at these stats. 120 carries for 656 yards and 8 touchdowns. 25 receptions for 354 yards and 4 touchdowns. All of that, and I imagine his back's hurting because he's carrying that entire Boise State team each freaking week. If there's one kid who deserves props for how he's played this year, it's Austin Jinkti. And the record books show that. The third player in FBS history to do it. A thousand yards in six games. It's impressive. Very impressive. In other news, as I promised, we'll talk about some other sports, right? Well, Dane got traded to Milwaukee. We can go into depth if you guys want about that next week. We also have the Mariners. This is obviously late, but no playoffs. Now, essentially, we got to win 54% of our games, right? No. I think they're setting up for a run at Shohei Otani. I just have a feeling they're going to not have the money or whatever the excuse will be. So that ought to be interesting. And we'll track those moves throughout the offseason with you guys. Now the Kraken, their season starts on 10-10. As you might remember, the Kraken were a hot team last year, upsetting the previous Stanley Cup champions and then taking, I believe it was, Dallas to Game 7. So your Kraken season starts on Tuesday. Shane Wright has been assigned to the AHL Coachella Thunderbirds. And what I really want to hit on here is I understand it takes a bit to acclimate to the NHL level, and I understand he's only 19. But Ty Cartier is 22, and he made the roster as an undrafted free agent. Now, I think Wright will develop, but I finally find it extremely interesting they didn't even try to have him on the NHL roster to start the year. I think Wright is going to be a great player, but I am super excited that we have Berniers and Cartier back. And I think as the season develops, we might see them playing some more lines with each other. Who knows? But I'm excited for the Kraken. I'm excited for football. I'm excited for everything that is this time of year. Guys, let's enjoy the hell out of it. We are in the middle of freaking football season. All right. Teams are starting to find out what they're made of. 
whether they're a losing team and they're playing for next year, so they got to get some young guys in. If they're a winning team, so it's balls to the wall right now. The Kraken trying to come back and prove some things. The Mariners saying, yeah, we lost some games. Let's see if we can actually be good next year. The Portland Trailblazers essentially embracing full rebuild mode. Okay. You have your Wazoo Cougars losing in game. What are they going to do? Are they going to Cougar for the rest of the year and just lose some and win some? And ah, we, we went bowling. Congrats. Or are they going to pull themselves up by the bootstraps and say, we have to keep kicking ass. Is Idaho going to keep winning? Is this mean Idaho maybe in a couple of years says, hey, we won't back up at the FBS level? We don't know. And that's what makes football so freaking interesting. And that's what makes sports in the Pacific Northwest so interesting. Name me somewhere in the Southeast where you have a school like Idaho going, we could be FBS, but gets involuntarily dropped to the FCS. Name me a school. I don't know of one. Name me a school anywhere that gets as little publicity as freaking Eastern Oregon. N name me some of these places, guys. I, it doesn't matter the sport. It doesn't matter the school. The Pacific Northwest has so much freaking history. I mean, heck, I haven't even gone into high school football yet, and in Washington, at least, it is going crazy. Oregon's going kind of crazy as well. Idaho, Montana, Wyoming, Utah, Alaska. Alaska has a team right now who's playing football who, if you look at their stadium, I kid you not, it is about maybe 500 feet away from the ocean. The freaking ocean. Think about how cool that is. Right now. The Pacific Northwest has more going on sports-wise, in my opinion, than any other place in the country. So sit back, enjoy this football season, enjoy this year, because we got a hell of a lot more to talk about and a hell of a lot more to learn. Thank you guys so much. As always, leave comments. Let me know how I can be better so this can be a better experience for us. Thank you for listening to Pacific Northwest Sports. Weekend updates. Have a great day.